Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Hey there, Why Though listeners. Here we are, solidly in April. And I just have to say, Ashley, my youngest, Kingston Cross, he does not understand the April Fools was limited to one day. He thinks it's the oh. whole month. He thinks it's the whole month. He's like, why would this be a one-day <laughs> event for me to prank you? He's new into the pranking thing. And a few things that I have had in the last few days, despite it not being April 1, which April 1 is a big day in your house and my house. And it got overshadowed by my pranks. And here's what he, he, here's what he done did to me. He uh, stole my water bottle. He's like, Mom, what are you drinking? Where's your drink? Where's your drink? And I'm like, why would you be asking me where my drink is? And he's our angel baby. He doesn't usually do stuff like this. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit surprising. Mm-hmm. And uh, he filled it with mustard. Oh, so much mustard. Unbelievable. Listen, <laughs> that's, that he, you took it too far, kid. <laughs> I mean, that's this is uh, smart and fun, but you took it too far. <laughs> he's so he's so he's so into it. And then he wants to set traps. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, um I have my robes from graduating summa cum laude and they're these, you know, bright yellow robes and they're not used for any sort of remembrance of my academic achievements. No, 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 no. He ties them to the bathroom door and then he ties them to a nightlight so he can trip you when you when you're walking out of your room. Like that's what they're used for. No other reason. No other purpose oh, for their man. existence. Good job, Kingston. Good job, Kingston. I'm proud yeah. of them. Yeah, and then just setting up random, uh, random like small golf balls, baseballs, basketballs, any sort of balls in the kitchen. Do you know how frustrating it is to step on random sports paraphernalia when you're trying to make a yes. cup of coffee? I'm just gonna say nobody needs that. At nobody in the needs morning. that. Or no Legos, one. by the way. Our kids Ugh. decided to set traps this morning, so when we came oh, out, yes, girl, they were doing Lego traps. So they put some <laughs> underneath our bed. So when we pull down the covers tonight, we'll lay on Legos, and then they put them on the floor. Which if oh, you're you stumbling out with a baby in your arms, the oh, last no. thing you want to do is step on a pile of Legos. No, it's it not is. great. Oh, girl, no. Oh my gosh, I love it. You know what I love too? Because you're. Are your boys three years apart, right? Do I yes. Math right? Yeah. I do. They just get in cahoots with each other and like scheme together. Is that they their don't vibe yet? Or? Because you know Lucas is still too little, so he's four. Okay. So what they did this morning was still is still like that's new. That's a new thing for oh, them to do. But I wonder if as they get together. a little bit older, they might be able to do that <laughs> a little more. But yeah, four and seven doesn't quite lend itself because they're developmentally so different. Yeah, totally. That they don't know how to partner with each other yet. <laughs> oh, the days are coming. The I believe days it. Are coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At this point, my kids partner mostly to get snacks. Like, hey, you go ask for this Smart. snack. If she says no, then well, Jericho's the mastermind here, but and then you go ask for this snack. And if she says no, then we'll we'll settle for snack C. Right. You know, the lower tier, the lower tier snack. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, well, listeners, I hope there's no mustard in your water bottle and I hope mm. you didn't step on no Legos because no one needs that in their Nobody. life. Life is way too hard and I just can't, I can't, I can't do that. Agreed. I need, I need some good coffee and some water without mustard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ashley, why don't you tell the good listeners what we're going to talk about today? 
Well, we hinted at this a couple of weeks ago because, you know, we were talking about on social media how I posted a true map of the South and people had a wonderful discussion. Like it just sort of took off and everybody's talking about, you know, what is the true South and what is the Appalachian people? What's the North? You know, and everybody has all these differing opinions about it. And one of the things that I love about the South is that, you know, Everyone who was commenting, that's not the true South, none of them actually live in the South. But everyone who lives in the South, with the exception for Arkansas, because some people from Arkansas were like, excuse me, Arkansas yeah, is the South. Yeah, Arkansas. I mean, you guys yeah. should have over 100 comments on Facebook. I don't know what your DMs yes. on Instagram were like, but it was I, crazy. I read everyone. It was riveting. I was learning so yeah. much about perspective yes. and where people come from. So it was, it was crazy. Absolutely. And I, I noticed that the people who were arguing hardcore for Arkansas were also Christian because that is oh. the Bible Belt. So like Texas, Arkansas, and Kansas, like that kind of area is the, the Bible Belt of the U.S., not not the deep south where I am or where I'm from. And so I thought that was a really interesting thing, too. But it started this great conversation. And so we wanted to keep it going here on the podcast to talk about the different regions of the U.S. and how we relate to one another and, you know, how we see each other, I think is a really cool conversation to have. Yeah. And I was inspired also by Colin Woodard. He is a journalist and researcher and author. And he writes about kind of the American, the North American experience and culture and history and how it shapes who we are today. And he talks about these 11 like many nations, if you will, 11 separate nations in North America. So including Canada and parts of Mexico and just how it breaks down. And I will, before we get into it, Ashley, I will say, I always love your thoughts on Florida. Yes. <laughs> I always find them very, uh, very helpful as you talk about Florida and how it's kind of split from the panhandle versus the rest of the body mm-hmm. of Florida. For and, sure. And he confirms this as well with you. It's and I just love that seeing like the difference. Florida is its own thing. There's so many retirees, so much Latin influence. And then you got the panhandle. It's its own. Th- anyway, it's just so fascinating to me. It to is. To state be so incredibly different. It really but, is. I will say too that um, the document that Tiffany is referring to, here's my big beef with it, is that, you know, the only place that is talked the worst about, everything else has pretty positive comments about the type of nation that they would be if you were to split North America into those 11 nations. But the South is the only one that is talked about terribly. And of course, we know that the South has a terrible history here in our country. But it doesn't mean that, you know, everybody's a racist bigot in the South or some dumb country bumpkin. And I think that is the the bad and downside of the way that people describe this, especially because this person is not from any place in the South. And I really I actually hate Hate that because don't forget that the entire civil rights movement was birthed out of the South. Come on and now. yes, there Come are some serious now. laws. But if you go north in any place in America, or if you go to the Midwest or you go to the coast, you will find the same extreme poverty, yep. the same systemic injustice, the same lack of health care, the same lack of, of livable wages, the same lack of social systems and support for people. You will find a high housing crisis. You will find economic disparities. And so no one is exempt from that. All of that bolsters things like racism. And so none of us listening get the opportunity to opt out or blame the poor nature of our particular part of the country on one place in the South. And I Mm -hmm. think it's really unfair for people to do that. And I'm, I'm super grateful for the history of our U.S., for the fight against slavery, for all, you know, all of this needed to happen. It is so important. I will die on the, the hill of racial justice until I die, I hope. And at the same time, I think that I'm really tired of this idea 
that everything horrible is in the South, because I think people in the North and in the Midwest and on the West Coast have excused themselves from their poor behavior and excused mm-hmm. themselves from their poor systems that actually are not equitable for people to live. Yeah. I remember when Dr. King wrote about going to Chicago, Illinois, and he said, I had never experienced discrimination like I did in the Midwest. Yep. And I remember reading about that and being like, oh my gosh, my whole understanding of the United States needs to be reevaluated. You know, like him saying that. And another, a book recommendation to um, help unpack exactly what Ashley just talked about, I think especially for people of faith, is The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. He really talks about how this idea that we've put the onus on the South for all the sins of America is so misplaced. And he kind of unpacks that quite a bit, especially as people of faith who think they're above it or it's not their fault. Um, He really unpacks that. Another person that comes to mind is Robin DiAngelo, uh, White Fragility. And she says it's the white progressives who think they've done nothing wrong and they, they get it. And it's those who... It can even perpetuate even more harm because they think it is just the South or where you're from or that part of how you think are rooted in your geopolitical makeup is the problem. And her point is like, actually, we all are part of the problem and we all have to be part of the answer. So, And that's the interesting part of the North, too, because, you know... um, even the different movements for civil rights, or if you look at the different movements throughout history between the North and the South, um, it's really interesting because the North is very often focused on pedigree and intellect and achievement mm-hmm. and education. I think this is actually true of the Pacific Northwest, Tiffany, but correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, from the, from um, the mountains left. From the yes, left. exactly. Yeah. Um, in the bigger cities. And then in the South, it was rooted in relationship and connection and this idea of um, image bearers and, you know, being able to see one another as fully human. That was the goal. So not allowing people to fully achieve things, but to be seen as fully human was the driving factor versus wanting to be able to achieve like a full human. Um, And they're both extraordinarily important, interdependent, two sides of the same coin. Um, But I think that's a really interesting thing to think about because in the South, there is a deeper, richer connection and hospitality that I certainly have experienced and between races. Mm -hmm. And when I went to New York, even though you are always on top of each other and yes, you're always running into people all day long who don't look like you or think like you or vote like you, when you go home to your neighborhood, everybody looks the same. And so I think that that's a really interesting thing. And that is not always true in the South, especially not where I'm from. You know, you don't have like you have pockets of segregation for sure, but I experienced it way more in a city like Manhattan than I ever did in the South. And if, I mean, the segregation of Manhattan is outrageous. When you yeah. Think where people live. All five and, boroughs. Yes. Yeah. My mm-hmm. gosh. Um, and what, when you lived there, just hearing your stories, it really disproves this idea that proximity will solve all problems. Because right. Look at New York. That is the human experiment. And it is definitely not solve the problem right so or that progressive politics are better yeah it's not always true sorry yeah. it isn't yeah <laughs> you can have and a pro- progressive ideology which matters but progressive politics are not the solution yeah and one of the things you'll notice listeners today is we're not assuming anyone's got it right like i want Correct. you to hear that what that is something that both ashley and i are are on we're like we don't we're not leaning one way or the other nope. at the expense of thinking we're right and that's something that actually when we when we first decided to talk about this you know a couple hours ago um, we <laughs> we she said this is the reason people are so arrogant is because they mm-hmm. don't understand the makeup of where people come from mm-hmm. and what was valued and the history of the first settlers that were there like that is 
such a part. And I think for me, I grew up on the slice of the left coast, which I'll, I'll before we go farther, I'll get into these 11 nations that um, this and if we might agree or disagree with some of them. But um, to j- just give a bit more context. But for me, growing up in this really, really thin slice of along the left side of the mountain range along the left, but where the ocean meets the mountains, that's a thin slice from, you know, uh, Vancouver, BC to Seattle to P- Tacoma to Portland, um, down on through the Bay Area, down to LA. Like there's this slice and it gets thinner and thinner the longer you go against the coast yep. that is known as like extremely left. But th- but then of course, once you hit California, it goes, it's just a few spots and then a, and, and it really is so different and it's, it's such a diverse makeup. And then, so that's the left coast. And then you have the far west, which takes up, I would say, um, a probably a solid little over a third um, of the states. And we're talking everything from east of the mountains of the whole left coast to all the way to like midway through Colorado, the, uh, the North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, Oklahoma, a little bit of Texas there. And it just takes this huge chunk and everything in between all the way down to like cutting New Mexico in half. So it's just, it's, it's a big chunk. And that's the far West being more the conservative West it's called. Um, those, those, those mountain towns, um, those, those smaller, smaller cities and, and, and really, really like barely on the map. A lot of agriculture is happening there. And then you go to the Midlands, which kind of, I I think is fascinating because when I think the Midwest, that's just too broad to say because somebody in Boulder, Colorado and somebody in Grand Rapids, Michigan to both be called the Midwest and have such different ideals and values of where they come from, it doesn't really match up. And that's what I uh, appreciated about this, the idea of the Midlands being a portion of the, you know, the right half of Colorado or the bottom half of Illinois or some of these like truly middle places. But then yep. when you get more north, you get more cities to Ashley's mm-hmm. point. You get Chicago, you get Detroit, uh, the, they're a different portion of the Midlands there. Um, and then Yankeedom, which Ashley already really summed up really well, is New York, uh, Massachusetts, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, a lot of those places. And then the New Netherlands, um, We've got Maryland and the surrounding areas. And then Appalachia, um, which I I would love for you to take over on this between Appalachia and the South. And then mm-hmm. and, and, and New France, I thought was interesting, Louisiana, which just the yes. south coast of Louisiana, because it is so different. And I even when you've traveled there and when you've even documented there on Instagram or shared stories, I'm so fascinated how it's so richly different. That French influence is a little bit louder and that communal influence, I think, is really notable. Um, but maybe you could help us differentiate between Appalachia, the South, and of course that, you know, Florida and all mm-hmm. that Florida is. So this particular map, we'll link to it in the show notes because it's talking about the whole of North America. So they include bits of Canada and some parts of Mexico in this map. So we'll link it so you guys can look at it because it is truly fascinating. But um, on my stories, I... I've argued that yes, Kansas is not a part of the South and Arkansas is not a part of the South, but Arkansas is connected to Texas, to Texas. In fact, several people from Arkansas were calling it North Dallas in my stories, (laughs) which is completely accurate. And then in Kentucky, you know, it's very much mountain people. So Mm. there was the great migration of African-Americans or any people of color to the North because Mm -hmm. for obvious Mm -hmm. reasons, it was safer. It was a place where you could start over again. There were Mm -hmm. laws against 
lost slavery. And so that is a place that people migrated. But what people don't often talk about or know about is the great migration of poor Southern people, poor Southern white people north. And they landed in the Midwest. They landed in Kansas. They landed in Kentucky. They landed in Missouri. They landed in Ohio which is why sometimes when I've traveled to those places, I can sense more racism there than, again, even in the South. Mm. And I don't mean to pick on you guys in a major way because I do love the Midwest. I was telling Tiffany earlier, I've traveled 34 states in America and spent like good quality time there. So not just, you know, passing through, but actually spending a little bit of time there in the last 20 years. And so I really love the U.S. I love the way we're made up. I think that we have a lot of problems, but man, we have a lot of incredible people and ideas. So this idea of kind of the Appalachias and people traveling the Appalachia Mountains up or out towards the West is a whole type of group. It and then is, we have, isn't it? Because you, yeah, do, yeah, I love how you said that. You see the southern route, yes. but it's it's displaced. It's it displaced is. into, yeah, wow. And it's Great. also, um, I heard activist Ruby Sales talk about this. She was a leader in the civil rights movement, but she talked about how, you know, one of the most difficult pieces of. Um, of not having civil rights and seeing racism is that many white people are forced to divorce themselves from their culture. And that happened in the great migration because people are disconnected from their history, from their legacy, from where they come from. They don't, I don't know past my past one, one great grandparent on each side, who my family is. And um, I think that's a pretty normal experience for most white Americans. Um, And that's something that we don't talk about enough, but Ruby Sales often does talk about how there's this sort of soul suicide that has to happen for white people to exist. And then for us to further capitalism, not just white people, everyone's participating in this system if you live in America, but you know, we do have to, we set our mind on achievement and building this new thing and individualism because we actually aren't connected to our ancestors or to people or to history. So that's a super interesting thing. And then the um, the Deep South is what they call it. So some people think this is this runs along the Mason-Dixon line, but then you'd have to call Delaware the South, and Delaware is not the South. No, yeah. And you'd have to talk about West Virginia being the South, which there could be a case to made made there for some people, but I think it's more Appalachia. So you got that Deep South piece, and then there's a chunk of New Orleans that is, you know, um, that found its freedom and that is French influenced, and is just a melting pot of people and places. But also Louisiana has some of the worst criminal justice. Uh, systems and records in our country. And so the way they criminalize people of color, you know, it's just because there is a little bit more freedom in expression and culture doesn't necessarily make it free from the things that bind our criminal justice systems and and the racist systems that exist in our world. Mm -hmm. And then we have Florida. And, you know, the lower half of Florida is very connected to Haiti, the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico. And so because of that, there is a lot of Latin American influence there, which is beautiful. And you guys know that if you've traveled to Miami or been anywhere in Florida, you would know. And then there's sort of the rest of Florida, which is, you know, um, people moving to retire. It's There's a lot of swamp land in Florida. There's like, you know, alligators everywhere and people who have just lived there for generations and are, are very, very true to what you might picture the South. But I like to think of Florida and Texas as their own nations. <laughs> they really are. It's not reflected really in this are. map, but that's my opinion. Yeah. I agree um, with that. I think yeah. they're unlike anything. They Texas are. Texas is a I mean, Texas is the size of France, isn't it? Yeah. Like this is exactly. crazy. Exactly. As far it's as we're talking country. Feet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It really is. It really is its own and country. And something else I want to share that I think is super interesting is they have this website. If I remember, I'll link it in the notes. Forgive me if I don't, but it's super easy to remember. Purplestatesofamerica.org. And it's really cool to see because if you open it, it might 
actually give you a whole lot of hope because there's no other than a few states in America that are almost fully red or almost fully blue. Most of America is purple. And so we all are this more central mix of ideologies and politics and the way we think. And so the polarized narrative that many of us see on TV and also Mm -hmm. begin to judge others by Mm -hmm. is actually not even correct anyway. Um, Because most states are split somewhere down the middle or more like 65% Democrat or 65% Republican. um, And there's there's more of an even split. And so I think that, you know, we have to be mindful of what gets communicated to us through the media and the judgments that we make about the different regions of the U.S. that actually aren't even politically accurate. Yeah. And I love that because, you know, you could think, oh, where do I stand? Well, on what issue? Like to say exactly. we're all Republican or Democrat, like, well, on what issue? And, and being right. able to flesh that out. Did Do you remember ages ago, gosh, maybe 10, 11 years ago, there was this uh, article done from a major outlet and it talked about how on paper they polled thousands of people and uh, just, you know, to, and they didn't say if it was a Democrat or Republican position mm-hmm. and they just said pick and well over 70% of people all picked the exact same thing. Right. So to prove your point of like, yep. I mean, so over 70%. Exactly. We all, and they didn't label it Democratic or Republican. And they're like, wow, we really do want goodness for each other. We really yep. do want connection. And yep. I'm not saying that across the board for everybody because I know some people have some different ideologies. Of even course. our own families. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was beautiful. And, and their point was like, wow, look how encouraging this is that – what you want for yourself, you want for your brother. You, what you want for yourself, you want for your neighbor, yep. whether it's here or in Minnesota or Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that we need to remember, especially when we do have such different geopolitical makeups. You know, here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, the way I was taught about the South growing up and in my history books was exactly what you described as mm-hmm. the a faulty view of it. Yet I was never, Ashley, never taught the, 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 the fairgrounds I went to every year on my school trip used to be a concentration camp yeah. for our Chinese brothers and sisters. Yeah. Never once when yeah. I was on that fairgrounds or in high school, even community college, never yeah. once did I learn that until I was an adult learning from activists here on the ground. And I was just embarrassed. I was embarrassed that I didn't know my own uh, my own history and my own yeah. place and how that makes up. And, and so it has been um, a mission for Derek and I to both learn about, okay, how were indigenous people treated here? What was their yes. experience? Like how were people of um, African descent treated here and, and our Chinese, Asian, East Asian, South Asian, um, and the East Asian and South Asian experience here are drastically different um, because of uh, the civil rights movement when South Asians were allowed to come after LBJ signed that into Signed that into order, and then all of these people came with highly skilled worker visas, and ver- versus the East Asians who'd been here well over a hundred years, building the railroads and building right. our infrastructure. So it's just a, yep. a, again, this is all stuff I learned in my twenties and thirties. Yeah, and and but I was taught these uh, toxic views of other parts of the country. So I think even it's just I think it's so valuable for all of us, no matter where you're listening from, and we have listeners from all over, all over the United States. And well, we're like your Jerry Springer anyway if you're outside of the country it's like watching (laughs) Jerry Springer just go off so maybe this is super helpful to you because you're like wow maybe America isn't as dumb as I perceive on my own no it's dumb no I'm joking I'm joking I'm joking I'm joking no we're all beautiful and made the image of God but still I think that we it's so valuable for us yes if you're if you're outside of the U.S. and you're a weather listener pull up a chair because this is pretty fascinating I'm sure to you but for those of us who are 
uh, U.S. residents um, in one way, shape, or form, I think it is so valuable. Not to not only your local, like, within 50-mile geography and history, but also have a more enlightened, if you will, that's the best word I can think of, or correct, correct view of the history and the policies that make up uh, the different spaces and uh, nations, if you will, of the of North America. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. It's super important. And I was thinking about <clears throat> when New York passed. Um, I'm going left, but I promise it connects. Um, and I don't mean left politically. I just mean curveball left. Okay. Um, but in New York, when they passed one of the first um, abortion laws that kind of swept across America that felt very, very extreme for most people, and it was built around one particular very, very difficult case. And anywho, all of that came out. And I remember this uproar, particularly from Christians who started posting inappropriate pictures of fetuses and oh, being complete gosh. weirdos online. Ooh. And I wrote a blog and it went, um, it went viral yes, talking it did, about this. And I think that the reason it made me so angry like one of the there are several pillars that felt extremely frustrating to me but one of them was this disconnection from region I feel like first of all mm. why are you talking about a state that you don't live in you can't vote in you you don't live here you don't have a say you have no voice and I think that people were making these harsh um, assessments of New York and and of the people of New York and what we believe and think and I think that that happens all the time. And that is one of the things that I've committed myself to in the last six years as I've just sort of watched this explosion of polarization all over the internet is, do I need to comment on that? Like that is happening in another state, in another place. It doesn't have anything to do with me. I don't really know very much about it, except that I may or may not be passionate about the particular issue, but does it need my commentary? Does it need my Facebook post? Does it need, you know, and I think if we could, tell them. just, just be mindful. It's like, again, you don't live there. You have no influence there. Mm -hmm. You have no power there. Why are you using so much of your energy to attack people who live there? And this is just as important about the issue of abortion wherever it lands as it is, you know, some other policy that you might see happening in the South that Mm -hmm. might be something you really hate and is really terrible. But the people living there don't need to be demonized because you don't understand. And I want us to just do better. And I think that it's just really important that we don't, you know, sit from our little high castles, particularly if you would call yourself a believer, you know, we can sometimes get on this super high horse about what we think is morally right or wrong. And there's some good debate and discussion to be had there. Please don't get me wrong. But we do sit there and assume that our best assessment or the assessment we heard on the internet or the assessment we heard from our favorite pundit or our favorite preacher is the right assessment for us to be judging through. And I'm asking us to be thoughtful citizens who will pull back and go, wait a minute, is that really what I think? Do I need to add my comments here? Is the person that I'm listening to and then regurgitating from, are they actually correct? Where is their information coming from? Mm -hmm. Like, I I think if we can be more thoughtful citizens, we can be more thoughtful neighbors. Yeah. And and it's really important, you guys, like I cannot stress this enough that we are the hope bringers and we are the light mm-hmm. bearers and we are the ones who tell the truth and we are the ones who stand in the gap and we are the ones who are courageous and bold and end relationships that need to be in and tell people about themselves when they need it. And we also need to be able to take it. Like you have to hear feedback also, you yeah. know? So all of this is really important to our connections between one another. 
Yeah. Uh, D.L. Mayfield, in her book, The Myth of the American Dream, she talks about this idea of growing up in a religious household and being kind of taught this idea that, like, you're the minority. As a white, as a white girl growing up in the Pacific Northwest, you're the minority. You're, you have to defend the faith. You know, she kind of right. uh, brings these it's ideas. Crazy, and she really, she really held on to these tightly. And then as an adult, she realized, I'm part of the problem. I'm part of the empire. Mm-hmm. I'm part of the ones who's, who is benefiting from these oppressive policies that hurt my brothers and sisters. Yeah. Uh, of of a lower class of color who are immigrants that kind of thing and I thought it was so powerful for her to wake up and be like wait a second I have to be able to evaluate how I'm part of the problem and whatever what I was taught I got to put that through some scrutiny to think is this actually true like is this actually true and I think I recently had um, listened to an interview uh, with Justin Gibney of the Ann campaign which Ashley introduced me to, and I'm a big fan and uh, it was so interesting to as he said as you process um different ideological views or politics when as a follower of Jesus like we we do hold to a higher standard but it doesn't mean we're a jerk like or unkind or or that we need to convince people in a way that makes us feel good like there's there's something wrong there's something wrong there and I I get it think of as when you're a kid you want everything to be black and white you want everything to make sense you want everything to be as it should be which is where where we see you know some real trouble come into play Mm -hmm. when we try to take over that crazy amount of control that doesn't leave room for nuance and doesn't leave room for conversation and doesn't leave room for people's lived experiences and because like you said we don't know we don't no, I mean, I think of just just the two people talking to you right now. I, I I'm I was born in another country and got adopted on us too, and grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Actually, was grew up in the South and has lived in L.A. and New York. I mean, just just so many different experiences and our family of origin and how they were raised and and when you go back generations, what what happened that decided this is this is our worldview. This is how we're yeah. going to see the world. This is how we're going to interact with people. It is so wise as followers of Jesus, as believers, as just as human beings, to be able to evaluate. Yes. Um, is this even true? Yeah. And am I being a jerk? You know what? Yeah. I, uh, I, I, so my husband, <laughs> my husband had a poker party and he invited, I don't know if you do this, actually. I'm, I'm curious. We definitely if you mix don't company. do poker parties. No, if you mix companies. Because so, he invited <laughs> a few dads from my kid's school um, that, that we only know through their school. Um, he invited uh, some friends from church, and he invited some uh, friends that just he knows the husbands through me, the wives were friends, that kind of thing. And so, uh, just this, just this mis- mishmash of people, um, and I think there's like 15 of them, um, and uh, they all. I, the, my my, I told him like, maybe that I might have to cut this. Let's see how let's see how it lands. Um, but I said, make sure the Christians aren't weird. <laughs> like, make sure- oh, completely. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, that's why we don't do that that often, to be perfectly honest with you, because, well, first of all, we haven't been able to do that since coming back because we, you know, pandemic, we've been a pandemic for two years after moving back from New York, but we and didn't do it. she had a baby, y'all. She had a yeah, baby, too, exactly. there. <laughs> but we didn't do it that often in New York either because, you know, Christians were always, like, looking for someone to pray for or wanting to have these weird conversations or looking for a way to bring bring up God. And, you know, I don't I don't mind dialogue about God. In fact, it comes up often in my circles outside of church but I think um yeah it is you run a real risk there of people just not being a normal human being like can't you just talk about the things that our guests want to talk about for a few hours like do you have to insert 
this whole dogma somehow yeah. in order to feel like it was a productive evening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and have some sort of insider language that they brought up and wherever they grew up in the, you know, part of the country that that was a norm, but is so foreign to somebody who's never heard it, uh, you know, especially in mixed companies. Yeah. So, but I, I, all of this, this big, like, like large scope talk that we're having, it boils down to conversations is my point here of like, mixed company and you don't know people's experience and past and where they're from and how that has determined their worldview and it's always wise to be outrageously sensitive to that and aware in a conversation of how um how you perceive other places and other people because we drop little judgments here and there probably way more than we realize yeah and those affect people those affect people they absolutely do i'm 100 percent with you and I want to tell you guys one more book recommendation as we wrap Ooh, yeah, up here. Um, there's a book called The Color of Law, um, oh, A Forgotten yes. History of How Our Government Segregated America. So for those of you who might be interested so in really understanding like, oh, racism isn't just a thing in the South or the history of the South, this would be a very useful tool for you to understand how policies get made mm -hmm. and how people are affected by things like housing or having to live in the right neighborhood to get to a good school, mm -hmm. and many of you listening mm -hmm. are experiencing this with your kids, so you know, yeah. or healthcare that is affordable or um, healthy and good for you. So that's a really, really great Absolutely. resource. It's a little heady, so just prepare your heart, but it's you know, but it's worth a read for sure. You, you know what I did with that one? Actually, I listened to that one. I, I got it from the library in a, in a hardback, and I was like, woo, okay. And I turned it back in, and then I got it on audio from the library, because I was nice. like, okay, this is one that I can listen to and process. And as somebody's talking it out. So if that if that's for you, because it is outrageously heady, but it I think is, it should be. I, so I, I remember, I, I don't one. know if you remember this, but I texted you and I said, this should be required reading for yes, all high schools. Yes, I know. All high schools. I agree. And it is, it so is required reading in many of my justice circles. That's one of the books that people Ooh, are like, you so can't good. not read this book. Like you need to understand systemic racism and this mm -hmm. is how you do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, listeners, thanks for tuning in. I, I'm I'm hoping that you grabbed onto something in this conversation that you can mull on, that you can think through, that you can go and research on your own and do, and do the work just as we're continuing to do the work because it matters. It matters how we show up in our world and how we show up to people who are so different than us. And our compassion is is only growing when we're willing to learn. I love it. Thank you guys for listening. Please send us all of your thoughts. This is such an engaging, interesting conversation. So we'd love to hear and we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Hey listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.